What's up? Welcome back to Nostalgia. I am Patrick Sheehan with my co-host Dave Martinson. We're going to give you your weekly look at what's going on in pop culture. But Dave, I was thinking about changing the name of the pod to Hidden Nostalgia. What do you think? <laughs> and, and it can be featuring Pharrell. Good. That'll do. It was funny. The director actually commented that things happen, but if it was in the teleprompter, we have a fucking problem. <laughs> yeah, I felt really bad for Pharrell there because, I mean, he's a pretty big star. He kind of comes in and out of the limelight. The red carpet interview, I mean, that's a hectic environment. I'll give her the pass. Eh. But I hope Michael Keaton just misread it something because, I mean, either way, the movie narrowly beat Rogue One in the box office this week. Yeah. So smash it, everyone loves it. So that's good but i mean i guess it's free press for hidden figures i don't know how much press fences is getting out of this you know what, what's sad though i was also i was on twitter and you know a movie that's predominantly black moonlight won the golden globe for best drama correct and they posted a picture saying moonlight wins for best drama and then the picture that went with it was la la land Ugh. and it was like oh no you, you gotta you can't be like messing up on that kind of stuff and also like hidden figures and fences are two movies that are predominantly black right combining the two like yeah it's not the best look but luckily this wasn't oscar so white and it's not gonna no. be this year either. no definitely but i mean there was a lot to talk about from the golden globes a lot of funny moments a lot of shows getting a lot of shine a lot of movies getting a lot of shine where do you want to start well i think we can just gloss over this part jimmy fallon just kind of yeah. came and went I thought his opening was was really good. Not, Did not, you? Not, not the oh the the speech, but like the video beforehand. Yeah. La La Land. I mean, I guess, but did La La Land really need more attention? It's only supposed to be funny, and it's topical. Yeah, this it's is fine, a movie. I, I thought it was fine. I Monologue thought, was bad. Yeah, you know who killed it was Eleven. Eleven killed it in the really Bobby La La Brown. Yeah. Yeah. Very good. Yeah, for sure. But yeah, Fallon, we, we've talked about him just kind of being the more vanilla, takes the least amount of risks of all those mm -hmm. talk show host guys, so having him barely be a presence at the award show really stands out, but also because the show kind of went, didn't even need him. No. I guess it was fine, but yeah, I mean, he hasn't come out looking good from it. I'll Steve Carell and Kristen Wiig were the funniest part of the night. Yeah, definitely. That was it. Like, that, that bit went on longer than I thought it would. The second part of it, when they, they, <laughs> they, they got him in the laugh again, I was like, all right, I'll give it to you. It's yeah, funny. very good. Actually, I thought my other favorite or funniest part of the night was Donald Glover when he won for Atlanta being the best show or was it when he won best actor it was the first was. one so it was when Atlanta won best TV comedy yes and he shouted out Migos yeah, for making did. Bad and Bougie not just... for being in episode 3 but for making <laughs> Bad and Bougie that song is just amazing the best, <laughs> the yeah. best. so yeah that was hilarious and what, what a moment that was too yeah that was hilarious Donald Glover just keeps killing it shout out Rember Brown his Twitter was just Electric. Atlanta hype the whole time mm -hmm. yeah then Donald Glover winning Best Comedic Actor. I mentioned this to you off the air, but I didn't know if he was necessarily the right guy to nominate for that category. Just because he kind of plays a straight man in Atlanta. He's fine, but when you look at Ensemble, if you're going to pick out someone, we've talked about Brian Tyree Henry and Zazie mm -hmm. Beetz a lot more than we actually talked about Glover's character, Earn. Mm -hmm. That's just the way the character's written. But well, at the same time, getting the Atlanta shine is fine with me. I'm not going to nitpick it. The funniest character on the show is Keith Stanfield. For sure. He's the funniest guy on stage, too. He was doing some weird dance. Yeah, he was. And honestly, the picture... Atlanta's had a big night in general. Yeah, I think they won three awards. Two. Two. Won two so they won yeah. a Best Actor and Best Show. But that picture of David Tyree Henry and Keith Stanfield... Brian Tyree Henry. Brian Tyree Henry, where he has his arm around Keith Stanfield. They're just kind of like watching Donald Glover. It was so, it was so <laughs> iconic. I was yeah. like, yes. Atlanta on the come up. Loved it. But yeah, it was a huge night for them. In regards to your, I don't know if, if Don Glover deserved to win it, I don't know who in that show would have, because not every person was in every episode. Yeah. 
they each played different roles and, and had different amounts of shine in each one. So it's almost like... Yeah, it's weird. It's almost like an achievement award for all of them in a way that he got it. And right, which is impressive because it's a freshman show. Yeah. Which is a lot like Christian Slater winning for Mr. Robot last year. It's interesting that the foreign press really liked it. I think in a lot of ways, Atlanta, it's had a very small kind of... I don't want to say like a cult following because so it's not that small, but it's not... It's like the critical TV yeah. woke comedy. It's not a mass market right. attention. And, and I think for a lot of people, especially you know, black people in the media who have commentary on it, it's a lot about, embolizes their, their relationship with their hometown growing up and mm-hmm. what it was like for them. And for foreign people to kind of understand that or at yeah. least recognize that is pretty cool. Well, yeah, it's funny because, yeah, Atlanta gets two awards for something that's very American, right? And then the two shows that bookend that, The Crown also got two. Yeah. And then Night Manager led to all TV with three. Yeah. Two shows that are obviously very foreign. The Crown, British royalty, mm-hmm. and Night Manager is, you know, British. escapades in Europe the whole time. Right. So, and with British actors, so... Interesting that Atlanta gets a sneak in there. Yeah, absolutely. It's a first-year show. Also, The Crown, I mean, I've heard a lot of good things about it, but I have, like, no interest in watching that show. I've seen a lot of, like, royalty stuff over the years. I just keep making it, so mm-hmm. I don't know how much I would get out of it. I kind of know that story, just kind of over, from learning it over time, but... Yeah, that doesn't interest Shout-out Claire Foy, I guess. Yeah. Doing good, good work. Yeah, good good for her. What else stood out to you? La La Land obviously had a great night. Seven wins, breaks the Golden Globe record for most wins. For a movie. The only questionable one for me is screenplay, uh, mm-hmm. just because I don't know if the La La Land screenplay itself is the most noteworthy thing. Yeah. Getting original score, getting best song, those are kind of obvious for the musical. Right. And Damien Chazelle being the youngest director to win That's pretty cool. is pretty crazy. Again, he's only 31. Mm-hmm. Pretty impressive. But whatever, La La Land got seven. It's funny, because there was already backlash pieces before, and then there was already pieces questioning if there's a backlash against La La Land, <laughs> and then the Golden Globes happened. So I don't really know what's going to happen at the Oscars. I think La La Land's going to be fine, though. The biggest single surprise for me, though, is Aaron Taylor Johnson yeah. winning for Nocturnal Animals. Pretty cool. Over Mahershala Ali. Yeah. I, from you, Moonlight, our guy. I still couldn't say that even yeah. after you just said that. First award, too. I know. I think he got robbed, like, honestly. But I think we'll get in the Oscars. We'll see. Definitely still need to see Nocturnal Animals yeah. as well. In terms of the Oscars, early prediction, I think Fences will do much better than it did here. I think they'll get at least one award, if not two. Well, Viola Davis is the lock, so yeah. anything um, else is gravy. But yeah, maybe Denzel. Yeah. can catch up and push Casey Affleck mm-hmm. because I don't think Ryan Gosling is getting it. No, he's not going to get it. definitely, Casey Affleck's definitely has Best him. actor. Anything else from Golden Globe stands out? I mean, yeah, we don't really need to talk about the speeches from Meryl Streep and Hugh Laurie. It's been covered enough elsewhere. My only thing about Meryl Streep's speeches, you don't need to throw shade at football and MMA. MMA. Again, <laughs> you're just giving people a soundbite to deride your speech. That's stupid. Don't do that. I think her whole thing was it's supposed to, it's like physical art, but that's not really art. It's yes. like... Uh, Again, not, not really your point. Don't say right. that. Yeah, no, it was fine. I had a good time. There was no standout, like, that person was drunk moment, I guess. That's kind of the reputation that girls have gotten lately. Goldie Hawn seemed pretty drunk when she was with Amy Schumer. I, I couldn't really I couldn't tell, tell if that on. was intentional or not, also, but yeah, I agree. Also, who was it that did the award for best actor? Was that Goldie Hawn? When, when she was like, Ryan, and then like... Yeah, that was her. Ryan Reynolds is like halfway to the stage, and like, Gosling! He's like, oh, oh. Shit. Yeah. <laughs> and then Ryan Reynolds and Andrew Garfield made out, which is pretty, which is pretty great. Uh, just so ridiculous. Well, why don't we move on to something that's never going to win a Golden Globe, The Bachelor. So, <laughs> yeah, that's for damn sure. <laughs> there, there's no Survivor. Of, no, it's definitely not Survivor, but there's a couple of things that are pretty interesting to talk about. Why don't we start with Corinne? I mean, Lit. she might be my favorite 
villain on the show of all time. This girl does not give an F about... I mean, it's all about what you want to do. People. Don't re-interrupt me. Oh, my God. <laughs> that re-interrupt stuff had me almost on the floor. Well, then she started talking, like, third person. Like, you know, Corinne is here for Nick. Yes. And all the other girls, they should be here for Nick, too. But it was so funny because... <laughs> what? Corinne literally, on their group day, it was, what, ten of them. I steal you for a second. It, yeah, and, and she, she took Nick the second that they sat down. She had already won time with him in the car because she won the photo shoot by taking her top off mm. when no one else even thought about that. Just going for it. Yeah. Also, her, her line was, he held my bosoms and no one will ever hold my bosoms like he will. Ever. Ever again, literal literal quote. A little young, a little young to make that ultimatum. She, 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 <laughs> Absolute she, statement. She is twenty four. So then she just interrupted two other girls while while they were talking to Nick. And then for a second. And then another girl came back and asked the one she had interrupted. Yeah. And she got so offended that she got interrupted. It was amazing. She thought it was malicious intent. It's like, well, I was interrupting, you know, just for more time with Nick, of course, like everyone else would. Mm -hmm. But when you came back, I thought you were, like, doing it against me, Corinne. Oh, yeah. It's personal now. Because <laughs> there was a difference. <laughs> I also love that, that she's picking the fight with the mental health counselor. It's like... Good point. Yeah, yeah she seems very smart. Show. She does seem very smart. I'm not a big fan of her, though. Seems kind of boring. Mm. I need a little bit more. I still don't have a good enough read on enough of the cast yet. Yeah, you know who, who I really We need more people gone this episode, besides yeah. Liz. I'm sorry. Well, no one is gone yet. Right. Other well, than Liz. We're going to have a rose ceremony as soon as the episode starts, right? I don't know, because it looks like he he's going to tell all the girls what happened, so I don't know if he's going to... Or an like, hour in or something. Like, give them a chance to like leave if they want to. So this is going to really throw off final four picks, because... It might. There has, the field's still, like, what, 20? I know, and, 20? And it, is it 20? It's, yeah, it's, it's quite high. It's anyway. around there. And you, your pick has to lock in before next episode, yeah. so it's really going to mess up final Join four. Join our group. Third day he rose again. Third... Three RD. So yeah, Corinne, awesome supervillain. The stuff with Liz is, I don't know. I mean, it was just kind of cringeworthy. I didn't like watching it either, so I'm kind of happy it's just done. She's so crazy. The fallout actually for next week is actually interesting to me because see how the other girls react. Right. So. My my girlfriend Julianne predicts that everything you see in the previews is not actually related to Nick telling them that he had sex with Liz. It's just interesting because. The first episode, everybody talked about how sexual Nick is and how he he's a sexual being. And then, like, is he going to go tell these girls that he had sex with somebody and they're going to be like, oh my god, I can't believe it. He got rid of her. Are like, you just here for to have sex with someone or do you want a wife? Yeah. <laughs> like, let's, come on. Yeah. The show takes itself way too seriously, but that's what makes it great. Right. Also, just the way that the first group date they put people on is a wedding photo shoot where some of the girls are brides and some are bridesmaids. It's so perfect. I mean, they're so good at manipulating shit it's it's amazing they, they create conflict better than any show on tv why don't we move on to i guess conflict in a different way <laughs> so mark hamill yeah. voiced the joker very famously and he recently read a tweet from donald trump our president-elect of the united states the penis <laughs> quite a name <laughs> And, I mean, Trump's tweets are pretty ridiculous most of the time anyway. I, I also love, just side note, when people say, why are, why are you taking his tweets so like so seriously? It's like, oh, the president of the United States, the president-elect of the United States, who hasn't held a press conference in, like, over a year almost. Mm. The only way he gives us information about anything real is through Twitter, and we're not supposed to take that seriously, so what do we take seriously? But besides getting political, so he read this tweet in the Joker's voice. Yeah. I think we have it pulled up. Yeah, Mark Hamill on Twitter, at Hamill himself. He's actually a pretty good follower. He interacts a lot, too. It's not just, like, stupid branded stuff. And he says, the Trumpster quote, number one, hashtag a new Jeers toast. Happy New Year to all. 
down, including to my many enemies and those who have fought me and lost so badly. <laughs> they just don't know what to do. <laughs> Love. <laughs> the end gets me, man. Yeah, that, that, that E is so long. So shout out Mark Hamill. Yeah, pretty great. Can't wait for Luke. Ryan Johnson recently said that episode eight's gonna start right after seven ended when Ray gives him the lightsaber. Right? No time skip. We're just starting right there, which I think is Perfect. great. Yeah, absolutely. Can't wait. Yeah, and I, I saw recently. I think you you tweeted about it that they were holding a meeting to discuss what they're gonna do with Leia for episode nine. Yeah. So not an envious position to be in for them at all. That's for sure. So moving on, Dave, you wanted to take some time to eat a little bit of crow. So I'm. No, sure I did not. I'm gonna give you the floor. <laughs> so I saw Passengers past weekend. A sci-fi tale with Chris Pratt and Jennifer Lawrence. If you've been listening to the show the past few months, which you can find at soundcloud.com slash nostalgiapod. Stay plugging. You may have heard my assertion that Passengers would be good. I believe the No the way verbiage, it could fail. The verbiage was there's no way Passengers would be bad. Yes. Yeah, no way it could be bad. Right. And I like to double down on that because I don't think Passengers is bad. I thoroughly enjoyed my time with that movie. It's not an Oscar film. Okay. These people are in hibernation for 100 years. That's the premise. They're traveling to a new world to colonize. Mm -hmm. And it takes forever to get there, so they're in hibernation sleep. So they won't age and they wake up, right? So immediate suspension of disbelief. Therefore, things that follow, I'm okay with because, you know, we're, we're in a world where people can hibernate. I like watching Jennifer Lawrence cook. Chris Pratt was really likable. I think the beginning of the movie is exceptionally strong. The third act, there's a decision that some people won't like. It really depends. The script gets a little tropey. But I think for what it was, it's a pretty enjoyable movie. Michael Sheen as the, the bartender robot was actually kind of charming. And actually, there's a really interesting ethical question that the movie proposes. And I think the biggest surprise for people is that the movie is actually not exactly what you thought it was going to be leading up to with the trailer. There's this a key decision that Chris Pratt makes early on that's will rub people the wrong way and just uh, out there I don't want to spoil it but if you accept that conflict and it doesn't just totally turn you off I think you can in fact enjoy the film and it is directed by Morton Taldum who made The Imitation Game with Ben Cumberbatch mm. which is a great film this is not obviously like that but it's pretty fun so watch it on a plane or something <laughs> Get those plain movies, Andy. Okay, well, Dave, it sounded like you were actually pretty positive on it. So I am, I am. I think basically what the expectations were probably were just a little too high. They were too high, and they were also, like, off-base off a little mark, bit, yeah. which is marketing's fault, definitely, because you didn't know what the movie was going to be from the way they presented it. Someone who's never off the mark, though, Ed Sheeran. He released He released two new songs. Castle on the Hill and Shape of You. Shape of You sounds like a Bieber throwaway, kind of. Well, that would make sense. He wrote Love Yourself, so he's all about giving Bieber throwaways. Yeah. <laughs> Shots! Castle on the Hill, though, is classic Ed Sheeran. I've got a meaningful like storyline. Yeah, kind of. Right. It's a little more exciting than Thinking Out Loud, I feel like. Thinking Out Loud's a good love song. Yeah. Uh, this is more of just a growing up tale. I like Don't. Yeah, that's, Don't. That's my favorite. That's the only way I hear song I go back to, personally. So, what what do you think of these two songs, then? Are Thanks. you going to be coming back to these? Not my cup of tea. But he did set the Spotify record. Yeah. 13 million streams in one day. It's kind of cheating, though. You put out two songs. So, you know, it's, what's a... <laughs> just for inflation here with these streams. But, I mean, hey, he's 
been hasn't had any musical output in almost, what two years? I think over two years. Huge hardcore fan base, so it makes sense that the comeback would be received so strongly. I mean, Taylor Swift's probably dropping an album very soon. I also think Lord's dropping an album soon. Yeah, given some, uh, Lord is definitely dropping recent an album evidence. Soon. Great segue, Dave. So Panorama and Governor's Ball dropped their lineup. Well, we start with Governor's Ball since it dropped first, and it's also happening way earlier than Panorama. So as Dave alluded to, Lord is on the lineup. She's right, just actually, like Coachella. Yeah, she's built fifth, which is. Pretty high up for someone who's, what, 20? 19? Yeah, she's 20. So headlining is Tool, Chance the Rapper, Phoenix, and Childish Gambino. Also notably on the lineup, Lord, Wu-Tang, Logic, who we've discussed on the pod in the past, Kevin Parker and Mark Ronson. Versus Mark Ronson, right? Yeah, which I don't know what that is. Kevin Parker is the lead singer of Tame Impala, so he must be DJing Right. Alongside Mark, Mark Ronson? Yeah, Mark Ronson, producer, DJ, obviously. He made Uptown Funk. The Avalanches, who we've talked about in the past, previewing The Meadow, SoundCloud.com slash NostalgiaPod. Schoolboy Q, Ray Shremmerd, also SoundCloud.com slash NostalgiaPod, YG. We <laughs> talked about all of their most recent albums. Carsey Headrest. Headrest. <laughs> we talked about them a lot. Danny so, yeah. Brown, ASAP Ferg. It's a, a lot of guys we've talked about. It's an interesting lineup. Cage the Elephant, your standard rock band fair <laughs> at this so, point. So I was talking with a friend who lives in New York City, goes to Bonnaroo every year, has gone to Governor's Ball in the past, and I was yeah. like, what do you think of this lineup? And he's like, I don't know, don't know what to make of it. I feel like Tool fans aren't real. And I said, what do you mean? He's like, I've never actually met anyone that, that's a big Tool fan, but if you go on the internet, every single person in the world's a Tool fan. Right. I th- it's just, it's not the demo for festivals, mm-hmm. right? It's just, it's, their Tool just skews older, Yeah. And festival well, goers skew younger. They were a rock band in the 90s. Right. <laughs> so kind of like Panorama with Nine Inch Nails, like we're mm-hmm. going to talk about. Nine Inch Nails is a little more relevant. They had a pretty big single back in the early 2000s with uh, only well, Wu-Tang Clan's a rap group from the 90s why but, are they different so Wu-Tang I mean they're, they they kind of have like this everlasting like, I think they're way they, more influential they, in they the have, genre they, they have the mantle of hip-hop I feel like in, in a lot of ways when, when I think about yeah, the 90s hip-hop versus 90s rock it's no, no comparison in terms of importance yeah, to it, the genre and just when I think about rap like Wu-Tang always comes to the top for me I feel right. like like they're kind of like the the standard in a way but yeah Tool I, I couldn't even name a song by them I uh, so no. Phoenix though Phoenix hasn't had an album in a few years since the last time they did a festival yeah you think this is a sign that they have something coming out I think it's actually confirmed that they have an album coming out this year I asked my friend why do you think Phoenix is so high they floated around a pretty interesting theory which I think has been debunked since then but they said maybe Daft Punk is somehow attached to that because there was the last time they played a show at MSG that was the last time Daft Punk played a show in America. Uh, they came out with them as a surprise. There's always because. a Daft Punk rumor. There always is. Like, and and th- th- this is just a theory floated out by my friend. And then oh. Phoenix was listed as the third headliner for Shaky Knees today. A right, festival down in Atlanta, one. Georgia. Yeah. So I don't think Daft Punk will be making an appearance at, at all this year. At least not on a, on a festival circuit. Yeah, right. I like that song, 1901, right? That's their song? 1901, Listomania. I think 1901 was in like... Or maybe, no, Listomania was in, like, the UPS commercial or something like that mm, back in the day. Very hip-hop-heavy lineup, though. Already bought three-day pass. Interesting, Flume is the highest EDM. There really isn't much EDM on here. Notable ones, anyway. It's very EDM-heavy at the bottom. But, yeah, at the top, it's, like, Flume and Marshmallow. Like, yeah, you had, it's you had Zane Lowe. Air, Air 2 is... Right. Z- yeah. Zane Lowe does OVO Sound Radio mm-hmm. on, what do you call it, uh, Beats 1. And then Magic Jordan, you'll see next to local natives, they're the... R&B duo that's also on OVO, yeah, that, which is Drake's label, if you didn't know. So that's mm-hmm. very interesting. Francis and the Lights, there. Oh, which yeah. Is cool. They'll, they'll be at every festival this year. Yeah, he, he's at Coachella, too, right? Yep. But yeah, I'm excited for this just because I've never seen Ray Schremer, never seen Gambino. 
I've obviously never seen Wu-Tang Clan, and I've never seen Danny Brown, so I'm very excited to see all those guys. So if you want to hang out with Dave, buy your ticket now. That's for sure. Do that. Panorama also announced their lineup. Black Beatles in the city, literally. What do you think of the Panorama lineup? Is it... uh, it's weak as fuck. You think it's weak as fuck? It's really? top-heavy, and that's it. Solange and Frank Ocean, especially this year, very big. That's a big deal for sure, don't get me wrong, but mm-hmm. in the same day. Right. Uh, I think for... It's a different kind of festival, though. You it, can't hold them to the same standard. It is, and I think for my music, musical taste, I would much prefer Panorama to Governor's Ball this year. Don't they not have Carsey Headrest, though? Well, they don't have Carsey Headrest, but seeing Tame Impala on the main stage late at night... I'm not familiar. What's Alt-J? Alt-J is a indie rock band from France. They did uh, When Your Left Hand's Free. Nine Inch Nails, are they the biggest rock band to have any festival spot this year? Um, what was Coachella's biggest rock band? We talked about it last week. Sounds like a climb slash nostalgia pod. Radiohead probably would be considered bigger than... It's almost like every day is kind of aimed towards one specific type of fan. If you're going for totally nostalgic purposes, go to Sunday, because you have Nine Inch Nails and A Tribe Called Quest. Well, and, yeah, Fife Dog, of course. Right. And then if you want to go for indie rock, you'll probably go to Saturday with Team Paul and Alt-J. If you want to go for hip-hop, probably see Frank Ocean and Solange on Friday. Then you also have Tyler Creator and Isaiah Rashad who's on TDE with Kendrick. I mean, I guess. But I mean, like, we have girl talk on here. People still like mashup DJs. <laughs> Didn't know that was a thing. Firefly has white panda every single year. Do they have that? Yeah. Ben they're, they're, Staples. They're incredibly cheap acts that people can dance it's to. True. It's true. No um, Name in Tokyo also. Yeah, I, I think the thing that stands out to me is Panorama has a lot more rock and indie rock on mm-hmm. it. I mean, Cloud Nothing. Definitely. Cloud Nothing, Glass Animals. That's the thing. Uh, when I look at the gover- Governor's Ball lineup, Future the, Islands, the last yeah. few lines, I don't even know what genre those people are. Like, I know the Orwells. They're, they're a popular rock mm-hmm. band, right? Right. Actually, I think the best lineup that came out is Shaky Knees. It's very top-heavy, but the XX LCD Sound System and Phoenix headlining, I think, is actually really solid. Yeah, LCD and Phoenix, that's a pretty good combo. Absolutely. And then you have the Pixies, the Shins, okay, yeah. um, and Sylvan Esso, who... Oh, and Bleachers, too. Which I'm surprised I haven't seen them on more festival lineups this year. I think they'll also be releasing an album. Yeah. So Phoenix them. doing two festivals, that's a telltale sign, just like Lord doing two festivals. They'll be everywhere. But yeah, festivals are going to be approaching in the summer, so we'll be talking more as more come out. So we'll talk about that next week. Why don't we jump into kind of like our main event today. Talk about Firefly, too, when that comes up. Yeah. yeah. We'll, we'll see. Are you out on Firefly? Did uh, you go once or twice? I, I went... Three times? I went two years. No, I went three years. You even uh, poster in your bedroom. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it, it's it's really good. I... I don't think I can go this year because I have a, a vacation, so mm. I'm not even like gonna get my hopes up for the lineup. Because if it's too good, I'm just gonna be like, "Fuck." Oh, okay, I, I, can't I go. see. Because like Firefly is an easier one to get to for yeah. where we are, obviously. If I go to anyone, I'll probably go to Panorama, but I don't. I don't think I'll end up going to any festivals this summer. I can see Carsey Headrest, huh? Maybe I'll go to uh, Lollapalooza because I know people out there. Go to the shy. Yeah, we'll see. That's true, that's another one. Me and Obama. So, Taboo. New show on the BBC and FX. Airs Tuesdays in America. Saturdays in... On BBC One. On, on the BBC One. Stars Tom Hardy. It was actually like written and produced by him and his dad and other person. What's his name? Chips. Chips Hardy. Yeah, great great name. <laughs> Chips Hardy. I mean, I, I mean, we think, what's Tom Hardy's dad's name's going to be? Chips towards the top. No, is Chips like a nickname for it's Charles? His nick- it's his nickname, yeah. What is Charles, right? Like, I, I, don't, I couldn't even imagine Chips what Chips... Chips Hardy here. Yeah. Like, my son played Bane. <laughs> I kind of wish it wasn't a nickname. I wish that his... Edward Chips Hardy. So, like, his name is just Ed Chips Hardy. <laughs> Ed Chips. <laughs> Pretty nice. Ed, I mean, Ed Hardy. I, I guess he just didn't want to be associated with that. Makes brand. sense. Yeah, you know, they make terrible jeans, so... 
So yeah, it's a show about a war veteran, or I it's guess set I'm in London sure in 1814, so right. turn of the century, War of 1812 just ending, so it's a, a young 30-year-old man, yeah. comes back from being abroad from a wealthy family, but he did some shit overseas, as we're led to believe. Yeah, it took a trip to Africa, where it seems like he picked up some religious or spiritual beliefs down there. Yeah. And he comes Violent stuff, of course. Yeah, it seems like he comes back because his dad dies. Right. Um, and uh, then, then, well, yeah, that, that's why he showed up anyway, Yeah, and as far as we know. What we know so far is that basically he was given everything in his dad's will, and that includes a piece of property, which is pretty uh, sought after by the American government, the English government, yeah, other it, people. It's land in America, and with the War of 1812 ending, with the new like boundary lines... It becomes very valuable for uh, trading purposes or something, which right. would make sense. And that that seems to be kind of driving the plot, at least, at least from right what now. we can tell in the yeah. first episode. So, what do you think about this show so far? I'm not going to say I thought the first episode was confusing. It's just not a whole lot really happens. And all the press people, all the pieces you've written, all the people that got screeners, they got screeners for the first three episodes. And I, the, the positive takes I saw were that if you're intrigued from the start, feel free to keep going because more things will be answered. So I think that's kind of where I'm at because I like a period show and that's exactly what this is. Tom Hardy himself, I feel like is enough for me to give him more of a chance than normal just Mm -hmm. because he's such a strong presence, both good and bad. And then I also, I like the extended cast. Michael Kelly plays an American spy, which we didn't see in the first episode. Doug Stamper from House of Cards, love him. Mm -hmm. And then Game of Thrones reunion, man. The High Sparrow dropping (laughs) F-bombs. Jonathan Price. And then Mace Terrell being a bumbling idiot, the guy who played him, same thing, just chilling with the High Sparrow there, uh, right. working for the East India Company, which is like the source of the conflict over the land. A real company, too. Yeah, that's a real, real thing. Everything so far seemed legit. And then uh, Una Chatwin, the, the girl who played Rob Stark's wife, who got got at the Red Wedding. She got got. She's like, Tom Hardy's sister not, now. Not, she didn't just get got, her, her kid got got. Right. Spoiler alert. Yeah. Yes, if you haven't listened to any of our other You even watch Game of Thrones and you care about spoilers. That's your own fucking problem at this point. <laughs> I'm sorry. Also, did you know Han Solo died? <laughs> Dave, I mean, that, that's only no, a no, year no. old. That's over. If you cared, though, you would have seen it. That's my point. You can't care about a spoiler if you waited this long without actually seeing something that everyone saw. <laughs> so, Sidebar. <laughs> bringing it back to Taboo, <laughs> I don't feel... Uh, so I was really excited for this show. I, I really, I'm a big Tom Hardy fan. You're, I usually you're now in a Chips Hardy fan too. Yeah, oh, huge Chips. Chips. I, probably actually a bigger Chips Hardy fan than Tom Hardy fan. <laughs> and I actually probably a bigger Ed Hardy fan than Chips Hardy fan. Okay. Even though the same person. There's levels to this shit. <laughs> you were riding hard for Tom Hardy and our, on our very first episode talking about The Revenant, mm-hmm. one of our Oscars episode. And then I wrote hard for him when we talked about our power rankings halfway through the year. And he right. didn't even really do much last year. I was just like, I love Tom Hardy. <laughs> he has all the stuff upcoming. Taboo comes out. I'm a little disappointed. So Do you not like his it, performance? Because his performances are always very... It's physical, same. very it's the, aggressive, very scene commanding. Shea Serrano wrote a piece for The Ringer about how Tom Hardy is making brooding. brooding and art. And that, that's pretty much every character he plays now. I want to see the Tom Hardy in Inception, who says, you mustn't dare to dream a little bigger. Pretty funny. I want to see that funny. guy. I want to see the charismatic I like the, Tom Hardy. I like the Revenant Tom Hardy. I don't even think he really was brooding so much as he's just, just a asshole. fucking psycho. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Psycho asshole. Yeah, no, I, I, yeah, I agree with that take. I was think, he was Bane brooding? Yes, Bane was definitely brooding. Fire he, rises, brother. He would just lay his hand on people's shoulders and things like that. Just stand over them. That's brooding as but fuck. That was like A plus brooding, though. I liked it. 
<laughs> so because it's good brooding and you like it, it's not actually brooding. I, you know, I never saw Legend where he plays those two British gangsters. He plays like the, the twin brothers. He plays both of them. Fall 2015. I never saw that. I heard it wasn't that good, but I still kind of wanted to self-evaluate. I, I was not very interested in that. Friend of the show, Sean, so I'd ask him. Yeah, I, I don't think he liked it very much. Also, uh, Bronson. I gotta see that because uh, that's from uh, the guy who made Drive and Neon Demon. I've that's watched, supposed, to be, supposed to be good. I watched Bronson. It's, it's, it's pretty good. Yeah. It's interesting. But, I don't know, I think it was really dark. It's definitely dark, and because it's 1814 London, it also looks dark. Yeah. It, it's beautifully shot, and, like, some of the, the shots of uh, him... production like, value is so high to, yeah. for any period show, really. But e- even just him as a character is just dark, and... Mm-hmm. And when it's mysterious, it's tough to connect with. Right, and I, I have no idea what's going on, so I really don't feel much investment in the show right now. I don't really like any of the characters. I don't really like the plot, because it's just a property war at this point. Right. Well, <laughs> it remains to be seen how long it takes for that to obviously go away for bigger conflict to happen, right? Like Michael Kelly's right. American character will show up soon, so mm-hmm. we'll see what happens. Also, some of the dialogue, kind of cheesy. I think it opens with, forgive me, Father, for I have certainly sinned, or something like that. Yeah. Like, <laughs> While he takes the coins off on. his face. <laughs> yeah, come on, dude. Like, you, you could write a better line of dialogue yeah i like seeing the high sparrow say tell me the fucking rumors (laughs) (laughs) and then what was it you Uh, must have your face cersei open the envelope just open the envelope (laughs) nope not gonna do it i like that scene i thought that scene was great that that was a good scene also i can't wait he's gonna kick his sister's husband's ass eventually that's gonna be awesome but that was also confusing when he's like one thing that hasn't changed is my love for you and i was like good for me yeah, I was like, wait, what? <laughs> like, what, what kind of love are we talking about here? Right. So, Half brother. <laughs> yeah, there, there's a lot. There's a lot going on. It'll be interesting to see too because some of the trailers or posters for it show him with like white paint on his face and like. It's uh, going for it, man. I like. I, I like this show. This show isn't being tame. Yeah. It's not playing it safe. <laughs> it, it's an FX show with Tom Hardy. I'm gonna give it a chance. I'm gonna see if he can like resurrect his dad from the dead. That's like what I'm like looking into. We'll really find out what kind of show it really is, right? Yeah. We still don't really know that. Right, because there, there has to be some supernatural parts to it. They wouldn't just have him doing like weird rituals. He was having weird visions and stuff. Yeah, or so. talking about burying people deeper and stuff. Like, I have a relationship with the dead. I was like, what? Nice, <laughs> like, nice. Yeah, what are you talking about? Like, <laughs> Very I, I, rare. I need to see more before I will <laughs> be invested in this show. That's but, fair. I think but that's for fair. now, it's okay. Yeah. See. Right. Again, I think if it didn't have all the pedigree surrounding it, it, it wouldn't be as enticing. Does this show get made if Tom Hardy isn't attached to it? Oh, no way. It's, or it's, someone, just, it's just him. Or someone of his caliber because it's yeah. such an expensive shoot. Right. So they basically just made the show because Tom Hardy's like, I want to make a show. And right. it's okay, but it's a, at some I think, point... Well, Jonathan Price probably got a bigger check coming now, too. Probably. Barrow, so... But I feel like at some point, someone needs to be like, eh, why don't we add a little bit of humor here? Tom Hardy can be funny and charming. Add a little bit of that in there. Right. Um, I guess it's not the character. Just change the character completely as well. I, th- I thought he had a little cool little back and forth with his uh, his dad, housekeeper, whatever that guy was. Uh, <laughs> kind of, until uh, the guy started getting mad deep on him, and he was <laughs> like, no, we're not going there. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, no, that was, that was interesting. So, uh, uh, there's, there's stuff to watch. Again, check a trailer. If you like those... People, check it out. It's on FX. They usually do pretty good, so I'm going to give it... And again, it's only eight episodes, so it's not as high an investment as even a Netflix show. <laughs> Alan Sepinwall, who I really agree with, said that he feels like this is FX's first artistic miss in a while. Yep, he's for uh, Uprox now. He's Oh, does he really write for Uprox? Is that yeah, what... not, not for HitFix anymore. Oh, wow. I missed when exactly it changed. Yeah. Yeah, he, weird. Interesting. 
but he's probably the more one of the, probably the preeminent TV critic. Yeah, it was today. him and Andy Greenwald, and then Andy right. stopped being a critic. So. And then it's like whoever writes for the Times. I like Kyle Buchanan for Vulture. He's good too. But on that note, we're gonna wrap up for today. Another episode of SoundCloud.com/slash/NostalgiaPod in the books. It is with that iTunes review. Yeah. Please. Very helpful. Yeah. We got another review recently. A very yeah. nice one. We yes, appreciate all much. the feedback we've gotten. Tweet us more feedback if you've already left a review. At NostalgiaPod on Twitter. At Martin Swagger. You can never Jimmy tweet World us Peace. too much. Unless your name's Adam. Yeah. Well. <laughs> I'll cut that out. <laughs> no. Leave it in. Leave it in. Adam. Not friend of the pod. Had a... Uh, Hater. Yeah, he had a very rookie mistake yesterday in his uh, in his fantasy bachelor picks. I called him out. Uh, right. So. Again, join our league because if you get the final four picks right and I don't, you're going to get way more points than I did in these first two weeks than you were playing. So you're not missing out. Just join. Third day, you rose again. 3RD. Um, so we'll be back next week. And are you a Tool fan? Tweet us, at NostalgiaPod. Yeah, if you exist, let, let me know. So we'll be talking about Jude Law, Sex Pope next week. Young and, Pope uh, on HBO. Check it out. It's on Sunday. Like yeah. all HBO goodness. Bonnaroo lineup. I don't know. Whatever else happens, we'll be here. We're here for it. I'm here for all of it. Yeah. See your Oscar movies. Run out of time. Yeah. Check out Nocturnal Animals and Fences. Yeah. I still have time. Peace out. All my days, I pray and pray.